so glad that you are here. Welcome to Northview. Northview is one church in 12 different locations. If you don't have a church home, we'd be honored to have you come and be a part of all that God is doing. Did you know that, that out of the 12 campuses that we have, four of those are in prisons? And so what I want you to help me to do is I want us to just give a big shout out to the men and women at the prison campuses. Can we do that? Let's just let them know we love them. Yeah. And while I've got you all excited, and I want you to do this at all of the campuses, our Anderson campus is celebrating their fifth anniversary. That's hard for me to believe, but five years old, yes. Anderson, we are so proud of you and the work that you're doing. The, your pastor, Nate Napongo, and worship director, Nate Jeffers, are doing an incredible job, as is all of the staff and all of the volunteers. We want you to know that we love you and we appreciate how you are reaching out to your community. Another thing we can celebrate, there's a lot to celebrate this time of year, but another thing we can celebrate is that for those of you that are our guests, we have something that we call the Northview Dollar Club that we do several times a year. And basically what it is, it's simple. And basically we say that what can you buy for a buck, right? You can't even buy a Coke anymore. But for a dollar, when we all combine those dollars together as a group, we can make a significant difference in the life of a family that's hurting or in a ministry that is struggling. So we've been doing this now for several years. It's just kind of become a part of our culture about, of who we are, and we love it. And so we're going to take uh, that offering. And so basically, if you can give a buck on your way out, just putting it in the offering um, cabinets there, or you can go to your phone and text dollar to 85379 and give your dollar there. Or you can go to the Northview app and follow the link there to give a dollar to that as well. And then on Christmas Eve, uh, we'll come back and we'll show you what we did with all of your dollars. It's amazing. Uh, again, you don't think you can do much, but we really can make a significant difference, especially this time of year when there are so many people that are struggling and hurting. And so let's just, uh, let's just do this together. Now, guys, I know that, that you've seen the news, or maybe you haven't, but there's been a lot of storms this week, and uh, this weekend, actually. Uh, in one uh, Kentucky town, so far over 70 people have died, and I think there's still trying to figure out how many have actually lost their lives in the storms and the tornadoes that hit down there. We immediately contact Convoy of Hope, who we partner with in disasters across the country. And so we're sending them a large check and say we want to be involved because they have boots on the ground. They're already there. I mean, that's one thing I love about Convoy of Hope. They're a Christian organization. And whenever something happens, they don't mess around. They get there so that they have boots on the ground. So we told them that we'll help them in any way we can with a large financial gift. So we want to be sure as we pray tonight to pray for them and, and uh, just others that may or may not even know about that maybe lost their life in storms this weekend. Pray with me, would you, Father? I just, uh, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, for who you are and all that you're doing. And Lord, together, you said if any two or three would agree concerning anything toward heaven, you would do it. And we're certainly more than three. As we gather together in all of our campuses this weekend, we just want to lift up uh, the, those in uh, Mayfield, Kentucky. And we just want to pray, dear God, that you would just be with those that have lost loved ones. I can't even begin to imagine uh, the pain that they feel. And not only those that lost loved one, but those that lost everything they had. 
And so I just pray that you would be with that community, Lord, and that, you, that somehow, some way, God, that you would work in the midst of all of this pain, and that you would show them, Lord Jesus, you would show up and show them in a major way how much you love them and how much you care about their hurt and their pain. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing at Northview Church and the ways that you're blessing us, but I'm also so excited about the ways that you're blessing uh, other churches that are preaching and teaching about your amazing love. And so, God, I wanna pray specifically for Emmanuel uh, Church of Greenwood. I thank you for that great congregation and the way that you're using them. I'm thankful and grateful for their pastor, Danny Anderson, and pray, God, that uh, we could link arms together to make a difference throughout central Indiana. And now, God, as we get into this uh, the second week of our series, I just pray that you would use it to open up our eyes and ears to see and hear how you want to work in our lives. Thanks, God. We love you. We praise you. Uh, we just ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So guys, I think it's clear. We're obviously in the Christmas season. The stores are decorated. They're playing Christmas music and television's playing all, all kinds of Christmas musical specials as well as classic Christmas programs such as Home Alone, uh, The Grinch, uh, George Bailey being saved by Clarence the Angel, or Ralphie almost shooting his eye out with his new Red Rider BB gun. One of my favorite specials is, and I loved watching it with my kids, and I loved watching it with my grandkids, is Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie's depressed about Christmas. I know you've seen it, but if you remember the story, Charlie's just depressed about Christmas. And he says to Linus, there must be something wrong with me. I just don't understand Christmas. I, I might be getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all of that, but I'm just still not happy. I, I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Now remember, if you remember the cartoon, Charlie Brown is directing the Christmas play and he asks, he says, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And Lion, Linus steps up with his blanket and he responds by reading the Gospel of Luke. Watch that scene. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That what, that's what Christmas is all about, Northview Church. Well, we're in week two of a four-week Christmas series called Untold. And whether you attend church or not, most people recognize the Christmas story, or at least a version that we tell our kids. A person once told me that there's at least three versions to every story. There's my version, there's your version, and then there's the truth. 
And I think that's certainly true when it comes to the Christmas story. I think there's also, if I might add, I think there's also an untold story that is important to make Christmas, that is important for us to make the Christmas story complete. You know, oftentimes the stories that we tell are told because we like to package the Christmas story in a fancy box with a nice pretty bow on top. But sometimes the story can be, the Christmas story can be a bit painful. It can be a bit outrageous. I think, guys, that I can safely say that everyone involved with the Christmas story went through some very difficult times. Last week, we talked about the, the clash of two kings, Herod and the Christ child. Herod represented the kingdom of this world, and he ordered, if you remember, the horrific decision that he ordered the execution of all male children two years old and under in an attempt to put a stop to the Christ child which of course, Jesus represents the kingdom of God. Well, today we shift our attitude or we shift our attention, I guess I should say, to the shepherds. As you know, the night Jesus Christ was born, the scriptures say that a small group of shepherds were quietly tending their flocks of sheep in a nearby field. And I'm sure it seemed like any other night to them. I'm sure they got there and were kind of tired and lazily laying around and not really giving it any thought. But what was about to happen, literally, would transform not only their lives, guys, but millions of others as well. Hear me, please. Which is why we really need to lean in to this story of the shepherds. Because this is not just a story of God's love for a few shepherds. Guys, this is a story of God's love for you and for me. Guys, this is a very significant moment. You see, in Scripture, there's only one announcement of Christ's birth, and there's only one invitation from God to anyone to come visit Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. And that one invitation goes to a bunch of uneducated, smelly, low-class, social and religious outcasts, the shepherds. Don't you think it's odd? I, I mean, I do. Don't you think it's odd that the God of the universe would announce the birth of his son to some sheep herders? I mean, why wasn't an announcement like this made to a group of wealthy business owners? Why wasn't it made to some politicians, maybe even the religious leaders? For sure, why wasn't it made to the media? Why in the world was it made to a small group of shepherds? In fact, Matthew, Mark, and John, they don't even mention the story. John chapter 21 says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So it makes sense to me that Matthew, Mark, and John wouldn't mention this story because really it seems like an insignificant story. So then why does Luke mention it? Out of all the stories that he had to share, out of all the things he probably needed to talk about, why does he take the time to write about the shepherds? Well, obviously, we know it's because the Holy Spirit had inspired him to write it down. We believe that about the entire New Testament. So we know it was inspired of the Holy Spirit. Luke uh, was... You have to understand, Luke was a doctor, so in fact, Luke was an educated man. So I'm sure when he hears this story about the shepherds, he has to be taken back by these uneducated sheep herders who would be the only ones that would actually be invited to this event. 
I'm sure he thought there must be something that we can learn from these men. There must be something that we could learn from these shepherds. For instance, I find it interesting that these particular shepherds were in charge of a, now hear me on this, this is unique and I don't want this to go over you, I want you to catch this. I find it interesting that these particular shepherds were in charge of the flock of sheep from which the temple offering was chosen. What does that mean? In other words, they were taking care of the lambs that would be used as a sacrifice in the Passover. There's so much more to all this. It's where the Old Testament and the New Testament come together. They were caring for the lambs that would be used as a sacrifice in the Passover. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul called Jesus? He called him our Passover lamb. Do you remember what John the Baptist called Jesus when he saw him for the first time? He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Dr. William Barclay, who has the famous, uh, famous Barclay commentary, in that commentary he says this, it is a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, another reason, guys, that I think God used the shepherds was because of how people in that day viewed shepherds. Shepherds were often considered social outcasts, and since they were constantly on the move to find a new pastor for their flocks, they were looked at with a great deal of suspicion, kind of the way people might look at gypsies or, or how people might look at carnival workers, and they were often accused of being thieves. If something came up missing, well, it must have been those nasty shepherds who took it. I mean, that was where, their, that was where people's thinking went because they were uneducated, and because they were uneducated, they were not even permitted to give testimony in a legal proceeding. You couldn't, uh, uh, in a court of law, you couldn't call a shepherd to testify because they were considered so uneducated. Their word, and not just uneducated, their word was considered untrustworthy. Let me put it this way. In the Roman Empire, Jews were considered the lowest class in society, okay? In the Roman Empire, the Jews were considered the lowest class uh, of society. And yet, the shepherds were considered the lowest class among the Jews. And then the night shift shepherds were the lowest class among the shepherds. I mean, it just doesn't get any lower than that. Look at verse eight, we'll read on. That night there were shepherds, so there it is, that night, so we know we're talking about the night shift shepherds. Big, it's important to understand that. The night, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. These guys were so low, they were considered bottom feeders. I mean, these guys were bottom of the total pole men when it comes to social acceptance. Their job was to protect their sheep and lead them to grass and water, that's it. Protect their sheep, lead them to where they could get water, lead them to where they could get food, and at night they slept with the sheep outside to protect them from wild animals and poachers. I've talked to you about that before. They would take stones and they would put stones up just a couple foot high and they would build a fence of stones around them and then the gate is where the shepherd would sleep. He would literally lie down in the opening of the gate and that's where he'd sleep. And his responsibility was if a wild animal tried to come over the fence, he was ready for him. If a poacher tried to come in and steal a sheep, he was ready for him. And so he could keep his eyes on his sheep. 
But again, the question really is, why did God send an angel to invite these shepherds to the most important event in history? I think God wanted us to see, listen to me, I think God wanted us to see that his love does not discriminate on the basis of class. It does not discriminate on the basis of wealth or social standing. In Romans chapter 10, it says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Listen to me, friends, it doesn't matter. Guys, it doesn't matter what society thinks or what people think. God does not respect, God does not respect kings and princes more than he does laborers and shepherds. His love is available to anyone and to everyone that will repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. We read on, verse nine, and he says, uh, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Did you get that? Go back to that. I want you to see there, it says, go back. They were terrified. Wouldn't you be? I mean, come on, they're just asleep out, out there in a field, an open field with the stars and, and the moon, and all of a sudden an angel appears. It just doesn't happen every night. And so it says they were terrified. Now you can go on. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The angel appears to them and he lights up the sky and they're afraid. It scared, it scared the bejeebers out of these shepherds. I have no idea what a bejeeber is, but they didn't have any left. <laughs> and then verse 10, did we see that? I think we read verse 10. Yeah. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The angel tries to comfort them by telling them what? Don't be afraid. You don't need to be fearful. Well, that's easy to say, but it's just not every day that an angel appears to you. Then notice it says, the angel says, I bring you, he's talking to the shepherds, it's important here, I bring you good news. In other words, I bring to you shepherds who are living in a time when Romans are oppressing and crucifying your friends. To you shepherds who have no freedom and are considered the bottom of the barrel in Roman society. To you, shepherds, who are looked down upon by your own Jewish people. To you, shepherds, who have the night shift job. To you, shepherds, I bring you good news. Friends, I absolutely love this about God. He brings good news to even the least of these. I mean, it just... I don't know how much more obvious he could have made this analogy. I don't know how much more obvious he could have made this, uh, this, this uh, word picture that he gives us that was actually lived out with these shepherds to be able to see just how much God loves us no matter who we are, what we've done, where we've come from. He brings good news to even the least of these. Honestly, that should excite every one of us in here. I know some of you don't feel, if, if you were being completely honest today, some of you don't feel very gifted, some of you don't feel very talented. You say, you know what, I don't, Steve, I don't have any influence, I, I don't have any money, I'm not a very gifted individual. How could God ever use me? Because, my friends, he died for you. He loves you. You, my friends, hear me please. 
You are the apple of his eye. You may not think you deserve it. You, you may not think you are very lovable, but you are the apple of God's eye. He wants to use you just as he used the shepherds. So for the, for the next time that you start saying, I'm not a gifted person. There's nothing I can do in the church to serve God. There's nothing I can do in my neighborhood to serve God. I'm just an ungifted, untalented person. You need to remember the shepherds. You need to remember that the shepherds were significant enough that God gave them the only invitation to come to the moment of Christ's birth. He wants to use you. Friends, please hear me. You matter to God. He loves you just as much as he loved those shepherds. They were so special to him that he gave them the incredible privilege of being the first to hear about Christ's birth. Being the first people, other than Joseph and Mary, obviously, to be the first people to lay eyes on the Messiah, the Son of God. Being the first to have the privilege of telling others about Jesus. Let's read on verse 11. It says, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Listen, he didn't give those privileges, think about this for a minute. He didn't give those privileges to Caesar. He didn't give those privileges to Herod. He didn't give those privileges to the Jewish high priest. He gave those privileges to the shepherds. Not, not in spite of who they were, but because of who they were. They were humble, ordinary people with no high opinions of themselves. Verse 13, we go on, it says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. If it wasn't bad enough that there's an angel speaking to him, all of a sudden the, the sky explodes. So the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying. Then it says, there appears a multitude of angels Imagine, you're still a little bit nervous and in shock from the appearance of the first angel, and all of a sudden the sky just gets brighter, and this one angel's now joined by hundreds of other angels who are all praising God. And the scripture says that they are, they're, they're armies of heaven. Some translations say a company of heavenly hosts. It was huge. Basically, these angels, please understand their role, please understand their job. I don't want to get off on angels right now, but please understand these angels were given the power to strengthen and comfort believers. That's their role. That's what they're called to do. So these angels didn't intend to frighten them, but they're there to comfort them and to encourage them with their praise. They wanted them to be, listen, these angels wanted the shepherds to be overwhelmed by the presence of God. Look at verse 14. And so they cry out, these, these multitude of angels all begin to cry out in praise, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Glory to God in highest, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When I, several years ago, um, and maybe some of you have been, we take a group uh, every year to Atlanta to the Passion. It's a, it's a worship conference in Atlanta were 50,000, it's really designed for college age uh, kids, and they all come together from all over the country uh, for a worship experience. And so we went, and um, I'm not that far removed from college, and so we went, 50,000 young people literally worshiping the Lord. I don't even know how to describe it. I, I really don't. 
uh, this place, it, it, was, it was packed with 50,000 young people lifting their voices in praise. It was emotional. I, I moved uh, my pathway to God, my personal pathway to God is through worship, so God uses worship a lot in my life, in my heart, to break my heart, to keep me a, a place that I feel like I need to be. If I'm ever drifting, I'm always finding myself going back to worship because that's the pathway God uses in my life. And so I tend to be a bit emotional in worship anyway, but I'm telling you, I just lost it in this experience. It was just amazing. And I think, I think in this that I just read to you, the praise that they lifted up, I, I think that the order of their praise was important. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And the word for peace would have been shalom. And I'm sure you've heard the word shalom before, but it doesn't just mean the absence of war, as some people might think. It literally means, the word shalom literally means wholeness. In other words, it's harmony, health, and well-being. Shalom means harmony, health, and well-being. Glory to God in the heavens, and then God's wholeness to all the earth. Well, the angels that praise begins with the coming to God and praising him, and then moves to the impact that God has on our lives through Jesus Christ. People often think, listen, people often think they experience peace, or let me say it this way, people often think they can experience peace without giving God worship. They think they can experience this peace that passeth all human understanding that the scripture talks about without ever showing gratitude or worship to God. I'm just gonna push back and I'm just gonna say the peace that the Bible speaks of comes through our gratitude. The peace that the scripture talks about comes through our worship of God. And so it's important that we come to a place uh, our, our gratitude and our worship keeps us humble. And, and the more you begin to demonstrate gratitude and speak gratitude and worship and deliver your worship and praise to God, the more it breaks down the pride and the arrogance in our life and it keeps us humble. In Philippians, it says, Paul writes, he says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can even begin to understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix. Now, that's a strong word. I mean, that's, a, that's an outward demonstration. That's an intentional act. When you're fixing your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure and lovely and admirable. He says, think about things. So it's a decision you have to make. I mean, that really is what creates these habits in our life. It's really what, what creates these patterns in our life. You literally have to be intentional. And he says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So guys, if you feel like you're drifting in your relationship with God, maybe you're just not being intentional in your gratitude and in your worship. And I would just encourage you, and you say, well, you know, I, I don't like to sing. Well, it isn't all about singing. Well, gratitude and worship can come without singing, but it makes, in my mind, it makes it easier. But you can demonstrate gratitude just by the words that you speak to God through prayer. And worship can come in the same way, just through the words that you speak to God in prayer. Sometimes you're like, well, I don't even know what to speak to God in prayer. When it, you said, demonstrate gratitude. Go back to Psalms. There's so many places in Psalms, just read it. Read it as a prayer. Because David was, David was a master 
at demonstrating gratitude to God. He was a master at showing worship and praise to God. But the peace that the scripture talks about, it comes by focusing on the things that are worthy of praise. Without Christ in our life, we're often gonna find ourselves feeling empty, gonna leave us feeling hurting, just as Charlie Brown felt. There's so much scripture behind that, that little cartoon. When Charlie was just feeling here in the midst of Christmas, he was just feeling low. He just wasn't feeling the spirit of Christmas. What was lost? Christ was lost. And that's what Linus showed him by reading Luke chapter two because that's what Christmas is really all about. We're often full of our own, at times because of the way the world challenges us, because of the way the world tries to encourage us in ways of our own selfish ambitions. The world tries to say, you know, if it feels good, do it. Do it if it's what you feel. It's all about you, your wants, your desires. It's pride. But once we come in contact, listen to me, once we come in contact with Jesus, once we come in contact with a living Savior, he will then transform or change us from the inside out. Because honestly, the bottom line, that's always what Christ is most interested in is the heart. And he'll change us from the inside out. So the angels, they had it right. They worship God and his peace will come in your life. So look at how the shepherds respond to this message in verse 15. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So I want you to see, because just a couple verses earlier, I read to you, they were terrified. They were full of fear. But all of a sudden now, when there is praise and gratitude being uh, uttered, being expressed, it took all of their fear away. It took all of their fear away. You know, the shepherds could have said to the angels, you know, wow, that was a beautiful song. That was absolutely incredible. That was, that was quite a light show that went with it, kind of a flash mob. It was very, very cool. Thanks for coming. I absolutely loved it. But, you know, it's just not a good time for us to leave. We get all these shepherd, we've got all these sheep that as shepherds we're responsible for. I'm just saying it would have been easy for the shepherds to have made excuses. We all do it. There are times I believe for every one of you in this room, you may not even recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, but I promise you the closer to God that you get, the more you begin to recognize the whispers of the Holy Spirit. But what oftentimes happens is that we make excuses why we're not gonna be obedient to what God is asking of us. Maybe the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear, you need to call your next door neighbor. You say, I don't know you need to call him. I don't know why. God knows why. Trust him. Call your next door neighbor to see how they're doing. Had you on my mind. Several years ago, I remember doing that. I called, uh, felt like that, and I called an individual, and, and this guy said, nope, everything's fine. I said, okay. I hung up, and I thought, well, at least I was obedient. I don't know what that was about, God, but at least I did what you said. And about three days later, the guy called me back, and he said, I'm sorry, I wasn't honest with you. I'm going through a really rough time in my life, rough patch. Would you pray with me? So too much pride for him to admit it, but the call had an impact on his life. I would have never called him. I had no idea if we just learn obedience of the Holy Spirit in our lives, learn to listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit instead of making excuses. We all do it, don't we? We have 101 different excuses as to why we can't obey God when he's telling us to do something right now. What about you? Has God laid it on your heart to do something, but all you can do is think of all the reasons why you can't, all the, how busy you are, all the stuff going on in your life? 
Fortunately, that's not what the shepherds did. It says the shepherds said, let's go. <laughs> Come on. Let's go see this thing that has happened. They didn't fool around. They decided to do what the angel had instructed them to do. Listen, friends, like the shepherds, we want to invite our unchurch we we want to invite our unchurched friends, family, and coworkers to come and see this Jesus. If you've made Jesus Christ the Savior and Lord of your life, then that really should be one of your priorities. It should be one of the things that's important to you. Because if He's really transformed your life, then why in the world would you not other people why in the world would you not want other people that you care about to hear about this same message to hear about how it can change their life our worship of jesus is not only for us as believers but worship is evangelistic in itself i can't tell you how many times as a pastor i've had people come to christ not because of my message <clears throat> that's hard but not because of my message, but because of the worship of God. I, I probably shared it before, but one the, the one that really opened my eyes to that was several years ago when I was still pastor in the other church in Missouri, so it's been a long time ago. And there was a guy, there was a kid that I grew up with, and this kid really was in trouble with the law. He was a mess, his life was a mess. And I remember, I remember preaching one week and I could see him sitting out there and I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh. I couldn't believe it, and I could tell that he was crying. Afterwards, he made his way right to me. He had prayed with me to receive Christ, raised his hand, prayed with me, and he made his way. And I thought he was gonna tell me how much the message meant to him and blah, blah, blah. But instead he said, I don't know what happened. He said, I came in here because a friend invited me to come, and man, from the moment they started singing, I started crying. And he said, it just like came over me, just this wave. And he said, I knew I needed what these people had that were worshiping God. I wanted to say, it wasn't the message. <laughs> but he just talked about the worship. That's what happens when you come into the presence of God. The angels were afraid. I think fear left them the minute the angels began to worship and praise. Because it calls for humility. Worship calls for humility. That's why this is important. Sometimes people will say, well, Steve, what's the big deal? Why do, I don't understand why in the church world, why don't we just come listen to message? Why do we come and sing these songs and worship? Because he deserves it. We come together to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that really is as much a part of the importance of what we do as the sermon is. Because we want to come into his, into his presence. We wanna, we wanna give him the praise and the gratitude, but what's so cool about worship and praise is that it's evangelistic in nature. And that you may, have, you may not have any idea that as you worship God and you give your all in worship and praise, there may be somebody standing near you that's just watching and thinking, I want what he's got. There seems to be something in their life that I don't have. I want what they have in, my, in their life. It's really, really important that we demonstrate that gratitude and praise. And that's why Christmas, listen to me guys, that's why Christmas is such an opportune time to extend an invitation to our unchurched friends because Christmas is that one time of year where people think about attending church. I know I say that to you all the time, but it's true. Twice a year, Christmas and Easter, and Christmas has topped as the number one thing over Easter. 
More people are thinking about coming at Christmas than they are at Easter. And they don't know, many of them don't know where to go. They didn't grow up in church. We're living in a day, it used to be, you could say, well, you know, I'm sure you grew up in church. Not anymore. The generations today didn't grow up in church, and so they don't even have a clue, but it's like they missed something, and they just know in their knower, I ought to go somewhere on Christmas Eve. And for you to just simply extend an invitation is huge. I just cannot encourage you enough. I know I, I've said this, and probably some of you think I'm overstating it, and I don't mean to overstate, but I just have such a strong conviction that I think it's almost wrong when we don't do it. It's just our, it's our obligation, it's our, it's our responsibility as followers of Christ. That's what the Great Commission is all about, the last instructions that Jesus gave the church. So the shepherds hurry to find Mary and Joseph. In verse 16, it says, they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. So they see the Christ child, and like, oh my gosh. They told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds, all who heard the shepherd's story were absolutely astonished. After seeing the baby Jesus, after seeing the Messiah, the savior of the world, they went out and told everybody about it. Friends, when you discover a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll want to tell people. That's just all there is to it. When you truly experience a salvation moment where you've given a surrender of your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's life-changing. It's, life, it's a life transformation, and you'll want to tell everyone that something wonderful has happened in your life, and you can experience it too. You want to extend an invitation for them to come and see. I know some of you are saying, I don't know what to say to people. I don't know how to tell them. Just invite them to come and see. I'm just saying, guys, I tend to be a bit skeptical when someone tells me that they had an encounter with Jesus, and yet they don't want anybody to know about it. One of the things, if you've been around Northview very long, you hear me say it all the time. If you prayed with me, you raised your hand after the service and you prayed to invite Christ into your life, the next thing I want you to do is go tell somebody. Before you get home tonight, just go tell somebody. Why? Because it, it, it helps it to become real. That it's like, yes, Jesus did change my life. I invited him into my heart tonight, so tell somebody about it. When you have an encounter with Christ, you want everyone you love to know about it. Everyone that you care about it, to know about it. If I discover a cure for cancer, I want everyone to know about it, right? When you discover a relationship with Jesus, it should be life-changing and you should want to share with everyone you know. But Steve, again, what do I say? Just simply say, come and see. Just come and see for yourself. I've discovered something that has changed my life. And I'd love for you to come and see for yourself. Come to church with me this weekend. Come to church with me on Christmas Eve and see for yourself. Well, that's exactly what the shepherds did. They went and told everyone that would listen they met, that they had met Jesus. So I, I can see these shepherds, they leave, and they're like, oh my gosh. And so they're leaving, they're leaving Mary and Joseph and they're on their way back home. And as they're on their way back home, they stop, they stop at a water hole to water their camels. And there's other people that are there watering their camels and they're like, you would never believe what just happened to us. We just met the Messiah. I mean, literally, they stopped for something to eat on the side of a hill and there's other people that have taken a break there on the hill and they're like, can we just share with you what happened to us today? We saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He changed our life. 
They told everybody that would listen. But Steve, what if, what if we invite people to come on Christmas Eve and they say no? Listen, guys, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to force anyone to follow Christ. I'm not trying to force anyone to follow Jesus. I just want them to know. I want them to know that something exciting has happened in my life and it can happen in their life too. And if they don't want to accept him, if they don't want to invite Christ into their life, then that's their choice, that's their decision. But I want to make sure they know about it. I want to make sure they have the opportunity. At least give them that. As a church, we try to make it easy. That, that's something we talk about all the time. What are some things that we can do to make it as easy as possible for the people of Northview to invite their friends, to invite their unchurched friends? That, that's why these cards, as silly as they may seem to some of you, these little cards are so easy to give out with the times of the service just to give those out. That's why we're doing the movie Monday night. Why? It's just another event. It's just another opportunity that you can invite your friends to come and see. If Christ changed your life, then invite your friends to Christmas Eve service. One last thing I wanna show you before I finish. Verse 19 says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. It was exactly what the angel had said they would experience. They returned. In other words, they went back home. They went back to their jobs. They went back to their life. And yet they would never be the same. So now they're gonna influence the people that they rub shoulders with day in and day out. They're gonna be able to go back home to all their friends and family that they see day in, day out. And they're gonna be able to influence them and make a difference. Once you discover a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're, you're, listen to me, your life will change as well. But it doesn't mean you're gonna quit your job. It doesn't mean you're gonna quit school. No, you're gonna go back to work. You're gonna go back to school. You're gonna go back to your neighborhood. You're gonna go back to what you were doing before. But you go back, to, you go back as a changed man. You go back as a changed woman. With Christ at the center of your life, there is now meaning and purpose there's now a joy that only Christ can bring in your life. If now, instead of living for your own selfish ambition, as, as much of the world does today, there's this desire that you now have to live for him, to bring him glory in everything that you do and say. So guys, let me come back to the original question. Why did Luke, none of the other gospels did, why did Luke include the story to the shepherds? for the reasons we just talked about and so many more. But I also believe the idea of a shepherd is a great word picture for us to understand the heart of God. When God chose Abraham, he was a shepherd. When God spoke to Moses in a burning bush, Moses was tending sheep. Do you remember when God called a young shepherd boy by the name of David, who ended up being the greatest king Israel would ever know? In Ezekiel and Jeremiah, God said, I, my, I myself am a shepherd to my people and I will raise up a new shepherd after the heart of David who will find lost sheep and he'll bring them home. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice. I think that God revealed the birth of Jesus to the shepherds because in so many ways, God is the good shepherd. In fact, he tells us that in John chapter uh, 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. 
Because it's, it's, it shows the heart of our Father. It shows the heart of a Savior. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd does what? The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, sacrificed his life for you and for me. And today, I want to give you that opportunity in this Christmas season we find ourselves in. When you're wondering, what is this Christmas season really all about? It's about the Christ child. It's about the birth of a Savior that came to take away the sins of the world. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Good Shepherd. So right now, I'm going to turn this over to the campus pastors, and they're going to lead you through that prayer. But here at Carmel, if you're here today on during this whole month of December and maybe, maybe, maybe you're feeling low, maybe you're feeling confused about what the purpose of this season's really all about, it's really what Linus read. It's about the Christ child. When we were lost in our sins, Romans 3 says, for all of us have sinned, we've all messed up. When we were lost in our sins, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were sinners, Jesus got up from his seat in heaven and he came to earth as that baby in a manger. He never sinned. The scripture says in several places he never sinned. But then he willingly went to the cross to die, not for his sins, but for your sins and for my sins. It says, but as many as received him to them, he gives the right to become the sons and daughters of God. If you're here today and You've never really done that. You say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. It takes more than belief. Guys, you know, the, it, I'm always reminded that in the book of James, it says that Satan believes and trembles at the sound of his name. Satan believes in God. That's not it. That's not it. The difference is a heart surrender. The difference is, is to be able to say, Jesus, I don't just believe you exist or believe you are who you say you are, but I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be the boss of my life. But that takes you intentionally making that decision. So I'm gonna ask everybody to bow your head with me if you would for just a moment. If you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I, I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. This is just between you, me, and God. But if you're not sure and you wanna be sure, I just want you to raise your hand until I see it. And then once I see your hand, you can put it back down. Just say, raise your hand so you say, Steve, pray for me. Anyone at all. You're not sure, but you want to be sure. Steve, pray for me. Anybody at all? Bible says that today's the day. Today's the day of salvation. Not next week, not next month, today. If you're not absolutely sure, you can be sure before you leave this place. Yes, you can put that down. Anyone else? In the balcony, yep, you can put that down. Anyone else? Yes, you can put that down. Who else? Yes, in the back, you can put that down. Anyone else, you sure? Today's the day, it's your call, it's up to you. God's not gonna force you, you're not a puppet on a string. You've gotta make the decision to accept or reject, but what do you do? Anyone else? Then with every head bowed and every eye, yes.
Yeah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I think there were four of you that I saw that raised your hand. I'm gonna ask just those four people to look at me, no one else. I'm not gonna do anything to embarrass you. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud. And if you meant business with God, I'm gonna simply ask you to repeat this prayer to yourself silently. And I promise you that as you do, not only will he forgive you, but he'll come into your life as your savior and as your Lord. So as I pray out loud, just repeat it to yourself silently. Dear Jesus, I know I failed you. I know I've sinned against you. I ask you, God, to forgive me of all my sins, to come into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. And now, Lord, I commit the rest of my life to loving you and serving you. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you and I praise you for those that, those four that prayed that prayer. And I just ask God that you'd make yourself real to them like never before. Help them to know that their sins have been forgiven past, present, and even into the future that you died once for all mankind's sins. And if there was anybody that just wasn't quite ready, God, I just pray you just continue to whisper in their ear. Help them to know that they matter to you. Help them to know that you love them and have a purpose and plan for their life. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you. We just ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you were one of the four that prayed with me, it's the most important prayer you'll ever pray in your life. Can I just ask you to do, one or two, do two things? First of all, tell somebody. I mentioned this a minute ago. Just tell somebody. Say, I prayed with Steve today to invite Christ into my life. Secondly, I want to give you a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. It's 40 short chapters. You just read a chapter a day, three-page chapters. Read a chapter a day, and when you're done, you're going to say, I get it. I understand this Christian journey that I'm on. And so I'm going to pray and close in just a minute. If you were one of the four that prayed with me, there's somebody standing over there, and there's somebody standing over there. And for you in the balcony, there's somebody standing right outside there. Just stop there and say, I, want, I prayed with Steve today. If you have questions, they can answer your questions. I'm proud of you, so very proud of you. Can we tell them we're proud of them?